When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Country, you a beautiful whore. How are you? <laughs> Wait, I'm not beautiful. You're I am gorgeous. a whore. Lady, 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 bunny. How are you, doll? I'm good, Monet. How Ooh, are you? Okay. You're in. Uh, you're in um, Aspen. Aspen. Yeah, Aspen, Colorado. I am an Aspen skiing and not the type of skiing that you homosexuals know. I mean, actually skiing down slopes, not doing rails of cocaine like um, one of our friends, Bianca Del Rio. And um, oh, it's actually not... She's not cold. a friend. She's not a friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as cold as I thought it would be here. Like, you think Aspen, like, the winter, you think it's going to be, like, blisteringly cold. But it's, like, honestly, like, mid, mid to high 30s. And like low 40s during the day, and that nice little colder. And it's a very quaint small town. Aspen looks like what you would think it would look like if you heard when when you think of Aspen. Like, have you ever been to Nottingham, US, um, UK? Yes. Yeah, like you, you know how Nottingham is like the birth of like Robin Hood, and that's where like it looks like that. Like, I, it's, Aspen is one of those kind of places. I'm, it's, it's cute. It de- Nottingham does look like that. However, mm-hmm. I will say that when I was there, I thought, oh, let me walk around. This is like three years ago. Let me walk around and see a quaint little cafe or whatever. Did you know that there's nothing in the town center of Nottingham where Robin Hood came from out in the woods to eat that is not a national chain of usually American chain? So it's like you think you're going to get like, oh, a scone and some tea. It's like, no. You'll have Taco Bell or KFC <laughs> only. Oh. I mean, it's like you would think there would be like the cutest little independent, you know. But speaking of independent, I know you went to the edible store in Legal Weed Aspen. Is there a weed? I don't know if there's a weed store here. Have you? All over Colorado, they, they sell so much weed that they actually lowered people's taxes because of the huge amount of income. They have all kinds really? of gourmet. Yeah, gourmet weed for fancy folk who can afford to ski. Have you ever been to Aspen, Bunny? 
yeah, I was there at the, is this the gay and lesbian, con- I don't, what, what are you at? Gay Ski Week? I'm at Gay Ski Week. Oh, let me decline this. Um, the, the, uh, yeah, I was at Aspen Gay building? Ski Week. Are, 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 you, are, you, are, you, are you declining wheat nudes? Is someone trying to airdrop you some nudes? No, no. No, oh. someone someone was trying to call me about my fucking heat, which has been kind of on and off, and we really don't oh, do no. that. Yeah, I was like, y'all need to drop off some space heaters. But in New York, it's always something with the apartments, always apartment drama. You hate your roommate, mm-hmm. your apartment's lousy uh, or noisy yeah. or whatever. But Your um, roommate keeps on fisting you. It's like always something to complain about. I wish. <laughs> you, know, you know, there haven't been, I haven't noticed many girls fisting. I mean, because if you want a fist, do you really care if it's male or female? I mean, you know. I have a question. Is it, do people fist vaginas? Is it, is it a thing to fist a vagina? It is. It oh, is okay. for, uh, you know, women who are kind of hardcore or have a large <laughs> hole to fill. <laughs> what a horrible wow. way to introduce. Oh, my God. I have a I know. Anyway, you're enjoying Aspen, I hope. Yes, I am you're enjoying, enjoying Aspen. I have a great time here. Um, I'm going skiing tomorrow. I've never been skiing before for the first time. And um, Bob and I are doing um, Civil Rivalry. We're doing, um, we're headlining here. So we're doing tonight, actually. Um, we're both doing a 25-minute stand-up set. And then we're doing a live podcast. So it's going to be fun. And, you know, okay, people, cool. because I, I, I'm around so many comedians like you, like Bob, and I have comedians like and people point me as a comedy queen. People think that I'm like a stand-up comedian, which I'm not. And I, I always say I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm someone who can say funny things on a microphone. So tonight I'm going to like really take a big like, dive into stand-up. I'm doing like a full 25-minute stand-up set. So we'll see how it goes. I might bomb. I might knock it out of the park. Or I might be just basic. And you know what? I'm okay with all three outcomes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because, uh, you know, I'm not a stand-up. I'm not a stand-up either. I have but you're bits very of patter. funny. I have bits of patter that I say between my song and, you know, but I mean, I, like to walk out there like Bianca does for an hour of stand-up. I know. I, I need, I need I my know. numbers. I need my numbers. Yeah. I mean, that's what you could do with your stand-up is just like put, put a little short number in there and then you'll have time to get yeah. your head together and, li- li- and then do the second half and, and remember what you forgot. It's yeah, hard. Yeah, they, I think stand-up's the hardest thing in the world. It's so hard. Especially I have the memory of a fucking fruit fly, so I don't remember my jokes. So I have, I'm going to have like a little paper on there, and I have my jokes written out, but I have like, like little parts highlighted because like just seeing words will trigger, oh, yeah, that joke. So like stuff like that. But I mean, listen, I'm going to have a good time. These, the, the, these are gays here stuck in fucking Aspen, doing cocaine, going to white parties, sucking dick. Like, everyone is just here for a good time. It's going to be fine. I'm, I'm very excited. Okay. Well, yeah. um, before we get started, I wanted to, to bring you some uh, really shocking news that um, this is from the New York Post, which is a right wing paper, but it has good gossip. Um, mm-hmm. A man's agonizing penis pain was blamed on COVID infection. <laughs> so, because, <laughs> as doctors warned of the rare side effect. Uh, writing in a medical journal, the Iranian team described how the virus led to blood clotting in the poor man's shaft. He suffered penile pain for three days before being seen by a urologist who reviewed him for tests, and they found out that he had uh, COVID. 
<laughs> wow. And so I just want to let anyone know as the Omicron virus spreads that if anyone out there uh, has this rare side effect where their penis gets really hard, don't call a doctor. Call me. <laughs> <laughs> I will yeah, make it soft. <laughs> I'll strip. <laughs> I will strip Word. for you. Let me entertain you. Uh, but someone who is not stripping for us, um, which is our, is our guest today, and I'm very excited to have her. Um, she is uh, a, a revolutionary, um, a woman who knows her business, and she's a fucking funny. I, funny people are the best people in the world. If you can make people laugh, you are going to win at life. Would you agree? Um, yes, <laughs> well, I mean, it's certainly a talent. For sure, for sure. And I unfortunately um, was not um, here for the interview, but Lady Bunny was. And y'all know Bunny is, Bunny always has her shit together and she uh, always comes with that ether. She asks the questions that the people want to know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I mentioned this in the episode, but of course, you know, Wendy Ho, the female mm -hmm. singer who wears wigs and comes out and sings crazy mm -hmm. parodies, um, like the popular drag song, uh, the parody of Get Here. You know that one? Uh, would she change it to here. fuck me? Uh, oh, yeah, 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 Adams, yeah. you can yeah. fuck me by railroad. Yeah, you can fuck me yeah. in the commode. You know, she's, and I mean, it's like a classic for comedy queens to lip sync. But she was posting something a year ago when this challenge to abortion rights began. And she said, I don't see any of the men who dress up like women expressing too much concern over uh, our abortion rights being challenged. And maybe you don't know about it, but if you're running around looking like a woman, maybe you should be running around thinking like a woman some of the time and thinking that if you want to wear uh, our clothes, I'm fine with it, you know, but but you need to, to, to hear our struggles too. And I, I felt a little Word. guilty because I believe in, I, I think that that is true. And and uh, and so we we went in depth uh, with Liz Winstead, who is a very talented comedian, activist, writer. She wrote for uh, the Daily Show. She created the mm -hmm. Daily Show, and mm -hmm. um, you know, actually, we didn't get to talk about that much of the uh, of, of, of the shows that she's worked. She's also uh, produced a couple of shows on MSNBC. We did get to talk about that. But she was a fascinating guest, and it really, really we really went in depth. Love that. Well, without further ado, I didn't further tell deal. her my oh. I didn't tell her my abortion joke, though. I did tell well, her. Well, what is it? Tell um, us. What is it? You know how to enrage a feminist? How? Tell her that your wife wants an abortion, and then tell her that she wants it because it's going to be a girl, and she wants to get rid of it. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I'm glad I didn't tell it. It's obviously sex. Um, <laughs> well, feel free to use that tonight, Monet. <laughs> I will, I will. That, that's, that's what I'm going to open my set with tonight. I'm going to use that joke. Uh, without further ado, let's get into the interview with the lovely Liz Winstead. All right, here we are, another Ebony and Irony podcast. Monet Exchange, surprise, surprise, is late because she's on a shoot. She may join us later on, but for now, it's just me and our very special guest who is a co-creator of The Daily Show, 
uh, a co-creator of Air America, the radio session, which I listen to nonstop. I love Randy Rhodes. She is the force behind Lady Parts Justice, which she will tell us all about that. And you can see her on CNN, MSNBC regularly. I just saw you on uh, 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 Toasting Betty White. Uh, and please welcome Liz Winstead. Hi. How are you, Bunny? <laughs> I'm doing good. Oh, and I left out stand-up comedian. Because you're still... Yes, and that. You're doing still doing uh, stand-up. And you... How has COVID impacted your... Um, your dates. I mean, some of them I've canceled, some of them I've kept. It's kind of been... I mean, I just feel like it's such a crapshoot. And I, um, I mean, forget about 2020. In fact, I went so bonkers that I did a show in Minnesota where I built my own stage like some crackhead Mickey Rooney, Judy Garland kind of situation <laughs> on the side of a lake with friends, and then people canoed to the show. So it was outside and my audience was in canoes, which was pretty cool. But for the most part, I've done, I've only done probably six indoor shows since March of 2020. Mm. And people, I mean, our side of the aisle, I mean, and by that, I just mean like people who actually understand science, you know, they're a little bit hesitant to go out, you know, and the thing that's fun about our show is it's crowded, it's sweaty, there's people all over the place, you know, you're wall to wall. And um, that part of it's really fun. And so when you don't want that to be your existence, people are like, yeah, I don't think so. So I've done some Zoom shows and stuff, but it's just not the same. It, Zoom is hard when you need the, the audience's laughter. Yeah. I mean. Yep. And it's kind of like, it's it's a little on delay and it's weird. I've. I've done it where I can see people laughing and see the audience, and still it just throws your timing off. Well, also as someone who needs reading glasses and am too vain to get in drag and cover up my three-inch false eyelashes, um, it, it, I've seen a lot of performers my age on Zoom performances, and they're like looking, squinting at the camera and squinting, like typing comments on while doing a Facebook Live. And I just said early on, mm, uh, I can't do it. I can't do it. Mm -mm. But but mm -mm. it's, it's, I think I like the idea of, of the audience in canoes. I mean, obviously outdoors are safer, but you got to have some money tucked away because you're in Minneapolis. I'm in New York. There ain't no outdoor shows. No. And also <laughs> doing a show on the side of a lake in, in the in the <laughs> fall, uh, your ambient noise is crickets. Oh, and so no. it's like, holy shit. No. Like, this is like a comedian's worst nightmare. And now I have it constantly droning out my entire set. Oh, wow. Not the, 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 what every performer wants to hear. Crickets. Exactly. And having it just be the soundtrack to your set is like, is, am I, what the fuck? I went through all of this yes. to do. And then here we are. Well, now, speaking of here we are, you are in Minnesota. Is that because you still have family there? Is, I still like have it? family here. I bought Friends. a house here. It's yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a really great, I, during COVID, the beginning, I came and wrote out a good part of it because I could be outside uh, and because my family was here. And then I realized it's really great here. And so I bought myself a little place. And so I have a little place in Minnesota. And I still have my place in New York City, which is primarily my home. 
So I get to go back and forth, although I'm spending December through March in Minnesota. Like, that's not usually what people do. They usually are like getting away from Minnesota. But I decided that I was going to be a snowbird. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, now you come from a conservative Catholic family. Yeah. And so yeah. you're a very bad girl to push abortion rights. I'm a very bad rights. girl. <laughs> I know. You know, I decided if you're going to, I decided to go hard or go home. So it's like, why not just test the boundaries of love um, and you, also you went, just you challenge. Went, you went hard and you went home. I went hard and I went home. You know, it's true. And, you know, it's kind of like I was a practicing Catholic and then I was tired of practicing because I was never going to get good at it because of the way I think. So I was just like, you know. I, I don't appreciate, um, I just don't appreciate Catholicism's views on so many things, so <laughs> many of the ways I live my life that it's just not working for me. So um, I just decided to buck up against it, you know, so the Pope hates me, whatever. He's not my pipeline to God. So I feel like you deal, so, Francis or whomever. <laughs> was, was that a, a tough decision for someone who had maybe the Catholic guilt or is that Jewish? I'm, I'm, I'm atheist. So I don't know any of it. Oh, but. it's all, it's all the same guilt, just different hats. <laughs> it's all the same. Oh, you know. I, I mean, the, the, there is a religious component, you know, to, I mean, obviously abortion's biggest, you know, detractors are People of faith, evangelicals, you know, or whether they're you know Catholic, and you know, it. I mean, I would say that that's gay people's biggest enemies. That's the reason why we, you know, or trans people or whatever are a sin. We're, we're against God, but so even in the non-Catholic church, I mean, people who are are the kind of Christian who take every word of the Bible literally. How much of their attitude that, oh, a woman, a traditional Christian attitude for those that believe everything in the Bible, a woman walks five paces behind a man out of respect. I mean, just on a general level, religion isn't supposed to mix with church and state. And, you know, I believe you have to pick your battles. I don't like seeing the president sworn in on the Bible because I have no religion. You know, and that just means that to me, it means you entertain fairy tales that I don't. You know, and I don't think it's a good sign for, for a national leader where we're supposed to have separation of church or state. But in this uh, Texas and Mississippi ruling, is this... Uh, against abortion, and if you could, if you could tell us, just like a in layman's terms, what has happened, because it gets very—I'm I'm the world's worst at asking five questions in a row so that no one remembers. But um, what is this being pushed? Obviously, it's being pushed by right wingers. Is that to appease their evangelical following? Because just as there are, you know, single issues or abortion rights is high up on the list of Democrats, especially women. Um, that must be very high up, like opposing abortion and gay rights. That must be like one of the things that really, that and the war on Christmas must be, you know, like the, 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 some of the things that the evangelical crew has to, you know, I mean, that they, 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 they'll come out in mass to vote against anyone who supports it's abortion. It's true. Yeah. And it used to be that, you know, it was, it was, this, it was, the, they would do it to appease this evangelical part of their party, 
And now that evangelical part of their party is them, like they've started electing them. So now it's the fabric. It's the fabric of the party. And, you know, it's an intersectional hatred. You know, it's like the people who are are uh, um, creating these draconian abortion laws are also the people who are in Texas, especially, you know, with this, this bounty hunter law that, you know, you can just sue. So let's go back to like what you were talking about with Texas yep. and then how it mm-hmm. all frames in. So there's a law in Texas that passed and that the Supreme court upheld that said, um, you can't have an abortion after six weeks of pregnancy, which means you can't have an abortion because nobody knows they're pregnant at six weeks. It's like insane. Um, and then on top of it, and this is the part of the law that seems like inexplicable, is any they have deputized anyone from around the country who hears that somebody might help somebody get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And that means that whether that's the Uber driver or you're helping lend a friend some money or you let somebody stay at a hotel who's going to have an abortion, if you hear of that, you are deputized by the state of Texas to press charges against them and you can sue them for $10,000. And if you are the person who just rando got accused of helping someone get an abortion and you have to get a lawyer and you lose the case, you don't, or you win the case because it's bullshit. Um, You still have to pay the fees of your own lawyer. You can't sue for legal fees. And so the Supreme Court hearing this said, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then people said, well, does that mean if you uphold this law, does that mean if you take the word helping someone get an abortion out and insert um, helping an undocumented person uh, or um, officiate a marriage between non uh, two different sex, same sex people or whatever, Like if somebody just decided they wanted to make a law that said, I don't think that two people of the same sex should get married and I want to have a bounty against that. Could we put that in place? And the answer is yes. So, you know, it's it's a slippery slope when you start with abortion laws, because when you start dealing with bodily autonomy as a general place to like erode rights, Mm -hmm. that can just get out of the uterus and the vagina and end up in everybody's kitchen sink and then we have a problem big time so yeah yeah and i mean i just want to make it absolutely clear that the deputizing uh that you would do if you found out that someone had helped someone given abortion is actually giving people you know in a bad economy um you know a a ten thousand dollar financial uh fee to try and snitch on people, yes. you know, who, who, you know, have determined that this is not the time, you know, for them to have a, a, a baby. So, I mean, that is, that is, is, I mean, obviously when they kill, when pro-lifers kill abortion providers, which has happened, you probably know of more than many, I do. Many, many, many times. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're pro-lifers, but they're going to kill a life to protect a life. But I mean, is this, is the deputy thing in the 10,000, is that, is that a new low? In the, the- it is a totally a new low. And we like, and I never underestimate the power of the Christian right because they are so powerful. But even like when they passed this law, I was like, 
I kept calling it like vigilante justice and like, you know, it was just like, oh, shit. and I was like laughing. Cause I was like, there's no way a court is going to uphold that. You can just deputize people to go out and without any merit, single people out and sue them. Like that just seems wholly unplausible. And then when it went through the Texas court system and then the federal courts and then the Supreme Court, uh, and they all were like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to let that stand. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. So, I mean, that's where we're at. And then they're, they're ruling on a miss. They heard a case of, from Mississippi that's actually um, going to probably overturn Roe v. Wade in the spring and access to abortion as we know it as a federal right for 49 years is probably going to go away this spring. And if it does, and this is really scary, um, 12 states uh, have, have this something called a trigger law on the books. And what that means is if Roe v. Wade is overturned, that it will immediately trigger this law into effect, which will ban all abortions for whatever reason, no matter what, um, immediately in their state. And then another 12 states have laws on the books that the Supreme Court uh, or that the lower courts deemed um, unconstitutional that will go into effect because this Mississippi law will have struck down Roe v. Wade. So we're talking about half the states in America having um, almost 100% bans on abortion in 2022. And it's very, very terrifying. And a lot of the, and, and the thing that people forget is like a lot of these clinics and the, are also the places where people get trans care, you know, they get um, where LGBTQ folks go, um, you know, because sometimes if it's a Planned Parenthood um, or an independent abortion provider, they also provide other care. And they're the only place in a community that does a lot of rural communities and stuff like that. So we're talking about shutting down clinics and ending care for you know, enormous communities of people who for a lot of folks, it's their only source of healthcare. Almost half of the clinics have been shuttered and that's very um, unnerving. And if this, if the Supreme court rules in favor of this Mississippi law, which says that um, right now under Roe v. Wade, um, you can have access to legal abortion up until 24 weeks of pregnancy. Um, and this Mississippi law says you can have abortion up to 15 weeks, which is viability is 24 weeks or around. And um, that, and so I'm this sorry, just what, takes, what do you mean by viability? Oh, it the, means if the baby the fetus, comes out, the, the fetus could live outside of the womb. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, with medical intervention, um, 15 weeks, a fetus can't do anything right? except just live inside of a person. Um, and so by taking viability out, um, it's a slippery slope to end abortion because then you're just randomly and arbitrarily saying, okay, we're going to just stop it at this point. It's like, why did you pick that for any reason? And even John Roberts creep was like, he just, <laughs> when they were doing the oral arguments, John Roberts was like, is there really much difference between 15 weeks and 24 weeks? And I was like, you are giving off some really strong, I want to date high school girls vibes right now. You know, it's kind of like 
there really a difference between 15 years old and 24 years old? It's like, oh my God, make it stop. Yes, so, there, there is. The 24-year-olds are way too old. They're way no, too old kidding. for you. <laughs> For me, for me, no, for you, but okay, I know it's so crazy. So, um, so we're in a real, we're just in a real downslide right now and it feels incredibly messy and it feels like, um, you know, you just look everywhere you look, there's just some garbage person, whether it's, you know, just the Republicans writ large and then Chris and Cinema and Joe Manchin and, you know, with voting rights and with abortion rights and, you know, it's tentative on whether or not gay marriage and marriage equality is can even stand the test of this. So we have a lot of work to do. And I'm old. I'm tired. When we're talking about the, the, the many abortion uh, clinics, providers that have been shut down. So I think that because this is handled with kid gloves in the media and something, a video that you had on this, you, you mentioned, you know, talking about the, the, the correct terms. Sometimes they're using, they're framing it with terminology that conservative, you know, anti-abortion people. But so can, can you put it into plain terms to either, you know, young women who listen to the podcast who, who have not been in this situation or to you know, men or gay men that that are never going to need abortions and may be sympathetic, but don't really know what happens if you need an abortion, say you're 15 years old and you were raped, you know, by a family member or by, by you know, a non-family member. I don't think you want to carry any rape, rapist baby. So what... What happens with the, with so many of the places closed or what happens with all of them closed? I mean, because I don't think people understand, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, oh, well, just, just, just go to a state where they have them. You know, I mean, they need to be near people because the same person that may not be able to afford a baby because they can't take time off of work may not be able to afford car fare or even the time to take off of work. I think that's right. I think that what a lot of folks don't understand is that 87% of the counties in, a, in the United States are without an abortion provider. Mm-hmm. So that means that like they, there's just not one. And so when you think about who these laws affect, it's mostly um, people who have low income, mostly people of color. Um, and there's not, it's not just like you can get up and go get an abortion someplace else. You know, if there's, you have to take time off of work. If you are, most people who have abortions already have kids. Finding a sitter, um, t- travel, hotel, paying for the abortion. And then I think what a lot of folks don't realize is that in most states, they have enacted all of these laws because um, when we talk about Roe v. Wade being overturned, there was a law in 1992 that the Supreme Court upheld called Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which ties into how I'm going to explain in a second. Mm-hmm. And in that law, what they said was you can't ban abortion, but a state can put regulations on abortion if there's not a, quote, uh, undue burden on the patient. But they never identified what an undue burden was. So they started having waiting periods and they started having like, 
they, they, many states have counseling where the doctor providing the abortion has to literally give outright lies in counseling about abortion. Um, you have to like have like Matt, turn your abortion clinic into a basically a hospital surgical center. So all of these restrictions. So on top of if somebody could get to it, the closest state to them, they may have to stay in that state for 24, 48 or 72 hours, go to the clinic, get an exam, then wait for a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And all these roadblocks are put up. And so and and not to mention the fact that there's just not going to be clinics to have abortions with just the Texas law alone in place that the Supreme Court has upheld. Um, Oklahoma has a backlog of people who need care uh, a month for a month out. Uh, Louisiana, which is next door to Texas, has six weeks out. There's people who are scrounging money together when they can and traveling as far as Maine from Texas to get care. So that's just Texas. If you think about in June, if the Supreme Court strikes down Roe v. Wade and these clinics automatically close, that's 27 million people of reproductive age and without a place to go near them to get an abortion even if they came to New York or, or the few states where it's a little bit more liberal to get the care, it's going to be so backed up. Mm-hmm. There's just not enough facilities. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty terrifying, you know. And I think that for, for folks who have never considered it their issue, you know, I would just say this. Um, everybody's sort of first line of, how do I want my life to go in the world Mm -hmm. is a decision they make as to whether or not they want to have kids. You know, it's like, do I want kids or don't I want kids? Um, And, or how do I want to have a family? Cause that determines the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And if someone's forcing that upon you, you have had your humanity taken from you. You have that decision for you to determine all other things about your life has been thrust upon you by the government. Yeah. And that's a pretty messed up place to be and a messed up country to live in. Yeah. I mean, so the internet is a cesspool and I don't know. <laughs> if, yes. if, if, well, I mean, it, it's funny because I, I was speaking to uh, um, a, a friend who works with many medical doctors who told me about, you know, superior masks that guard against uh, COVID. And so, you know, I'm suspicious with anything I read, you know, and I, I looked him up and he was pushing a few years ago a book called you know, The Coffee Diet. And I'm like, I drink coffee every day. And I never met, I never lost any weight. But, you yeah. know, I, I just, I, I don't, it makes me, you know, it made me wonder about his things that, that did add up to me. But I, so in the cesspool that I was Googling, I've been hearing about an abortion pill that can be mailed to you. Now, a friend told me that the technology is not 100% there, but I do know that Biden did, um, did uh, uh, stop some Trump era restrictions on where this pill was uh, allowed to to be made. Yes. So this is, um, and they weren't Trump era restrictions. There were restrictions that happened 
when the abortion pill happened. So the abortion pill is a miracle drug, was invented in France. It's called medication abortion. Um, maybe you know it, and, and it came over, it was, it's called RU486. Um, and it came, it's been around in Europe forever. Oh and yeah, yeah my, my mom used it. Yeah, I'm just kidding. So so, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. My mom used it. Um, so you're saying it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so it's incredible. It's an incredible piece of technology. Most people now in the United States are using medication abortion. It's safer than taking an aspirin. Let me say that again. Medication abortion is safer than taking an aspirin. In fact, abortion itself is one of the safest medical procedures you can have, safer than a colonoscopy, safer than having your wisdom teeth pulled. So let's be clear on safety. So um, what happened was when the, pill, when the medication abortion came to the U.S., immediately, it came in 92, immediately they slapped on restrictions on this pill for purely political reasons. Mm -hmm. And they've categorized it in this medical category that is reserved for like under a hundred medications of all the medications you can take that say it's so dangerous Mm -hmm. that it has to be administered by a doctor. Now, when you go to Europe to get the medication abortion, you, you can get it mailed to you. You just see a nurse. It doesn't matter. But here, you're forced to go to a doctor, and then they watch you take the first pill, and then you take this, it's a two-dose regimen, and then you take the other pills, and you take them home, and take them 24 hours later in the privacy of your own home. And and then you, you basically have a miscarriage, and it is so safe, and people are like, it's freedom quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And so they took these regulations off that had it in this crazy medical classification. And so now um, in states where abortion is accessible and abortion pills are accessible, you can have the pills mailed to you. Mm -hmm. But in states that are hostile to abortion, they've already put up roadblocks that you can't get the pills mailed to you and all this stuff. So advocates are working to try to figure out like how to get around getting pills mailed and stuff. But like medication abortion is, is going to be the wave of the future. And I'm very excited about it. And the other thing that's great about medication abortion, um, where if you, you cannot, there is no trace of the medicine when you, um, when you um, take it. And so let's say you had your medication abortion and let's say you were bleeding a little heavy and you're like, I'm not sure if this is okay. And I want to go to the doc. I want to go to the, I have to go to the doctor or I have to go to the emergency room. Um, you would not have to tell them that you took medication abortion. You could just say, I don't know why I'm having this really heavy. It feels like a period, but it's not time for my period. And, um, they would treat, they could treat you. You would be fine. And they would never know you took it. So they can't Mm -hmm. bust you for doing it either, which is great. Hmm. Okay. I guess I'd spoken to someone who said that they didn't know if the technology was still there, but she may be. Oh, it's so great. Yes, it is. Yeah. So most of the time when you go to a clinic now, you're offered, do you want medication abortion or do you want aspiration abortion, which is what, um, what, what people most know abortion to be, which is a five minute procedure, no cutting. It's just suction Mm -hmm. because basically abortion is simply, um, 
is simply um, is a DNC, which is cleaning out your uterus if you got some funk in there. Mm-hmm. Just cleaning out, cleaning out your garbage in your uterus. <laughs> like okay. it's, it's you are just, turning me on. You are turning you know me what? on, Liz. Uh, my sexy talk is a <laughs> lot, Bunny. When I get going, just <laughs> somebody stop this girl. <laughs> So, hey, if it works on me, it must be really good. <laughs> I mean, it must be like Jane Mansfield material to show. To show. Um, so a feminist friend went to an abortion rights rally a couple of months ago. And, uh, you know, I don't know what group uh, or what age it attracts that she went to this. But she said there were no young people there. And the funny thing for me is that, well, I mean, I got both sides. I was invited to churches, uh, the Baptist church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which showed, you know, horrifying films about abortion and drugs. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, but then also I was from a liberal household, very liberal. So I just saw abortion rights as tagged on to, I'm 62, born in 62, you're born in 61. I just saw that as part of like the sexual revolution that, you know, in in the same way that it was discovered during the sexual revolution, I can't believe it took them that long, that, you know, sometimes women wanted to be stimulated, you know, uh, orally instead of just having the guy jump up on top of her. Like all of that in my mind was wrapped up with, you know, abortion rights and women controlling her, you know, body. But I don't remember it having the furor now uh, that it did, well, I don't mean now in terms of after this, these rulings, I mean, in terms of throughout like decades after I was growing up, of course I was, you know, what, 11 when Roe v. Wade passed in 1973. Do you get a sense of that? There was a time when there was um, sort of a lull in the movement. And I think the biggest problem has been a um, positioning abortion rights as somehow um, only a women's issue. And, and, and I mean, it's like, you know, that's a larger conversation just around because it's not only women that can get pregnant, right? Trans men can get pregnant and non-binary people can get pregnant. And so like, there's a whole swath of people who can get pregnant, but I'm just talking about the fight for equality when it comes to reproductive access. And like, I think that when women were leading the charge, um, it was just like, we just don't need your opinion, men. Like, stay out of it. Um, But I think what we needed was um, men to stand with us so that it seems like an issue that we should all care about because it's happening to uh, people we love and it's happening to you know, people who we should care, even though it doesn't, it maybe can't happen to some of us, we should still all care about it and advocate for it and fight for it and not, because I can't tell you how many people have said, wow, you women have been fighting this for a long time. And it's like, yeah, if you'd fucking show up, maybe we would all fight for it. And then, um, you know, but you got to hold politicians accountable and they have to see that it's a, it's an issue that um, everybody cares about and that they could lose their job over. And I think that for a long time, politicians knew that they didn't have to advocate for abortion because people would vote for them anyway, because they would, 
veto anti-abortion laws. And that was good enough. And now I think we need to be uh, proactive in our stances around it. But there was a silence. And I think the silence came from a, a lot of times too, like our side just kind of co-opting the you know, anti-abortion side's rhetoric. I can't tell you how many people my age and older will say things to me like, well, no one's for abortion, you know? And I'm like, I'm for abortion. What are you, you know, like we're pro-choice, but we're not pro-abortion. And I'm like, hey, newsflash, I'm actually pro-abortion because I don't have any, I don't think it's an immoral thing to do. You know, we have to talk about it in terms of it being a moral choice that somebody makes about the pregnancy they have. You know, someone's pregnancy is someone's pregnancy. Your, my pregnancy would maybe is going to be different than somebody else's. So I don't need anybody to put any judgment or value on my body or my pregnancy. Let me do that. I'll let you know if I, if I want to call it a baby or if I don't want to call it a baby. You know, it's not a medical term when it's in the womb to call it a baby. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a different thing to say, you know, I don't approve of you doing this five minute procedure. And, and yet you yet I, because I don't approve of this five minute procedure, I am going to force you to live a lifetime with a child that you didn't want, which can't be healthy and, or that you couldn't afford. So I don't, you know, I mean, obviously the child's not going to do well if the mom doesn't think that she can afford to have the child. So it's like, it's, it, 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 it's, it's easy to just say, oh, well, because for example, someone that I follow on Twitter said, you know, that I support abortion rights fully, but I don't think abortion rights should be used as a contraceptive measure. Now, I don't think women do that, do they? I mean, they don't just like say, I mean, oh yeah, I'm never going to wear, or, or, or do you feel that, I mean, because, because it's like, obviously what I thought, what I took from that is that, so yes, I see that abortion is sometimes necessary and no one else except that person should decide what's necessary in my view, but is there a fear of that in people? Is that what sometimes goes on? I mean, if you believe it's a woman's right to do what she wants with her body, that's, then you believe that, even if she's using uh, abortion as a contraceptive. But does that actually happen? I mean, I would say, I would say it's rare only because it's inaccessible. But I would ask that person, I would, I mean, I, I often say, uh, I mean, I'm radical. So, you know, you're talking to a rad abortion radical. So abortion doesn't um, prevent you from ever having kids in the future. You can have 20 abortions and then have kids. Like it doesn't affect you. No sterilization. It doesn't, it doesn't harm your body in any way. So whenever somebody says that, and I've had people say that to me before, I say, why? Why would, why do you not support that? And then they really don't have an answer after that. And so I would, what I say is, if you are continuing to get pregnant and not use birth control, you're not protecting yourself from STDs, HIV, AIDS. So it's important to use condoms mm -hmm. if you are going to be, you know, doing that just for your own sexual health, right? Right. That's, and, uh, but I would also say to somebody, what is the alternative then? If somebody chooses to not 
use birth control and have sex, uh, you know, just get pregnant and, and, and do all that. If you would, if you would like them to not, if you would like to count how many abortions they're having, why is that okay for you? Like Mm -hmm. what makes that somehow a moral choice? You know, it's like people, it's like you've planned to say that that's in, that's part of your repertoire but why? And also, well, could, could that be someone who is a little like they 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 know that abortion is necessary? And, and I mean, I, I, this is someone I know. It's someone who I follow on Twitter. But would would that be would would their objection be? And I'm imagining this that they're squeamish about, um, you know, they, they believe a woman should have the right to choose and terminate her pregnancy, um, you know, but that they are squeamish about it being done a lot because of some, you know, ties to the, the, the idea that it is a living thing. And you know what I mean? It's like, it's, 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 I do, but it doesn't make sense to me because what that person is saying is at some point I get to determine how many abortions you have. There's some number where it becomes wrong. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, if abortion's not wrong, which it's not, there's no number on the number of abortions that you want to have that makes it wrong for you. You know, it's like some, and so for me, that's like, it would be like saying, you know what? I think it's okay to um, be gay. As long as you limit the number of partners you have. Like one or two is fine, but like once you start getting into the more than two, (laughs) what are you really doing? What kind of decisions are you really making? You know? And it's like. Oh, honey, a lot of the gays I know are doing two at a time. They're doing two at a time. (laughs) But I mean, that's the whole thing where every, and when people start getting into, but except for I have some areas where then I'm going to swoop in because truth be told, whether I've had one abortion or five abortions or a hundred abortions, none of them have affected your life at all. They haven't been a burden on you in any way. And so I'm always curious whenever people try to have caveats about that with me, I'm always, I'm always trying to like ask them where, where that came from or why, there needs to be that for themselves. Because a lot of times I think people have residual, it kind of goes back to what you asked me earlier. How does the Catholicism piece fit in? Where does your guilt sort of hang mm-hmm. out in your head someplace? And is that, your, is that you trying to justify some kind of like finding some common ground with your religion and your, and your faith and what it means? And there's good abortions and bad abortions. no. There's only the abortion that somebody needs. And yes. that's that's it. There isn't good ones. There isn't bad ones. There's just there's just the one somebody needs. Right. Now, did you say earlier that a Roe v. Wade specifies 24 weeks? Yeah, 24 weeks. And that was even a weird arbitrary thing that the judges talked about because the science is a little bit out on also when actually viability happens. You know, um, when a pregnancy can live outside of the womb is different for every pregnancy. It's sort of like puberty, right? Mm -hmm. Like when, when, when during puberty, 
are you actually, you know, do you actually become fertile or whatever, you know? And so, um, but it's, 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 it's been sort of the, in the decision-making process, it's for any reason you want up to 24 weeks and then, um, to save the life of the pregnant person or, or, or if the fetus, um, can't, um, won't live outside of the womb or has a disease that would, um, would not have it live after it was born. You know, there's all kinds of reasons that people can have abortions after 24 weeks. And also what a lot of people don't realize also when, when people say, well, okay, why, why not just like after 24 weeks, no more abortions then? Um, because people don't understand that, um, things can develop in later stage pregnancy. So people who have pregnancies or abortions later in pregnancy, it's literally 0.02% of all pregnancies Mm -hmm. that end in later abortions. And almost all of those are because there was a fetal anomaly that developed later in the pregnancy that was going to um, have fetal demise before birth or at birth or shortly after birth, or it would harm the person who was pregnant. So um, I just want people, you know, when they start talking about partial birth abortion and all this other stuff, you know, all this lingo they throw around, it's all political made up language. Mm-hmm. Like you talk to one doctor that no doctor, everyone will say there's no such thing as partial birth abortion. There's no such thing as, you know, someone being nine months pregnant and going in and being like, I want an abortion now. No one's doing that. Mm-hmm. No one. So since it does seem to boil down to a question of weeks, the Texas law, or, or is it a law? Is it a, it's for six law. weeks. And then the Mississippi is for 15 weeks. Mm-hmm. So I am wondering as someone who does not know the ins and outs of this, but, you know, obviously supports a woman's right to choose. I know activists don't want to hear the word compromise ever. Um, and you're a radical, radical abortion activist. But was the 24 weeks a compromise? Is there something that could, instead of in those who want to, to take abortion rights away in Texas, in Mississippi, and as you say, triggering the laws or the, the Supreme Court, is there something that could make both sides happy? I know you're not pushing for it personally, but is, is, is there something to do with the, the time frame that would make them, that would shut them up or will they just, they'll never shut up? They'll never shut up because also, I mean, the question that we have to ask ourselves is at what point is the is is my body no longer at what point does the government get to say what i do with my body and if we think there is a time or there is an instance that you can come up with that i am no longer a free person and that the government gets to intercede um in what happens to me that can affect me for the rest of my life, um, then I am not a free person. And, you know, and I've heard these mass calls try to say the same thing to me or the vaccine mandate people 
well, you, you're pro-choice, but listen to you when it comes to massive vaccines, you're forcing me to get that. And I was like, and I'm like, your vaccine and your mask is not the same as forcing nine months of childbirth on me and then pregnancy. You know, we somehow people always forget that pregnancy is really dangerous to deliver a child. It's incredibly dangerous. Mm-hmm. And that pregnancy is not nothing. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I'm not potting soil. Like, you know, it's right, like, right. sorry, but like, no. And like, and I simply don't understand, especially the mask people where it's like, if I choose to wear a mask or if I choose to get a vaccine and grow three heads because I got a vaccine or have that va- or, or whatever, that's my choice to do that. Like mm-hmm. I've made that choice and have the ramifications of the vaccine. If you choose not to have a vaccine and get COVID, that's a choice you've also made for me by spreading COVID to me. Right. You know, my abortion is my abortion. It, it has you. nothing to do with you. You can't catch my pregnancy. You know, for if you stand six feet away from me, you will not catch a pregnancy. Um, and I can't spread my pregnancy. I would argue I spread to get pregnant. Um, so, like, it's just unrealistic comparisons. And so they'll never... It I mean, sounds also, good. It does sound good, though, because in a soundbite to say... Oh, you want bodily autonomy and your right to choose, but you want to um, uh, force us to have vaccines, which Fauci, Biden, and Pelosi did say that they didn't think that there would a, a mandate would be able to go through. I mean, I'm tri- double vaxxed and, and boosted. Uh, my mother's a nurse, so you know I had my flu vaccine by September. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I don't necessarily support the vaccine mandate and it looks like it's having a tough time in the 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 courts because if you decide to get to not get vaccinated you can you can um end up in the hospitals you know ICU or die and but if that's a choice you made um you know you made it i mean i think that was more of an more of an argument it, it I, I don't know I, I think the vaccine thing has gotten a little bit kooky because people, another thing that sounds good that the, that the mask holes or uh, Republicans will, will, I mean, they have convincing arguments like, you know, saying that, um, well, why do I have to wear a mask if the, um, if the vaccines work? It's like the vaccines work to keep you out of the hospital and the morgue, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they did kind of miss message it to make it seem like you will not get COVID, you know, if you, if you get the vaccine. So that that I can kind of understand. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that like, if you, uh, I mean, we have, we have mandatory vaccines for a lot of things, you yes. know, that we, and so it's like, we have mandatory things for a lot of things. And the, if you are unable to see the burden you are placing on the healthcare system, my sister-in-law had um, an emergency uh, it's colon thing and couldn't get into a hospital 
had to go to another hospital, had to have surgery, and never got to have a room and remained in the emergency room for three days in pre-surgery, surgery, and post-surgery because there was no beds because of these COVID people. And so your decisions to tax the healthcare system and to allow other people who actually need to be in the hospital not be able to be in the hospital, that is where I'm just like, decide you don't want a vaccine, then you can't go to the hospital. Yeah. Then you just have to have your COVID moments by yourself. Yeah, I had a I had a colon emergency uh, incident, but I like to call it a date. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) I made Liz Winston laugh. No, I I, 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 listen, Liz. Don't we all wish that people thought more about other people and more about you know public health and 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 what 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 what's what what is going to go on in, in 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 so anyway. Can we get back to that? You mentioned in one of your videos, I did my research, that, that you were um, connected with one with the plaintiff, and this was in the Texas case. Now, I, I all I know is that I lose, my eyes glaze, glaze over when it, so they said it went to the district court and then it went back for appeals and da 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 da, da. Is there a, a layman's term that you like? So what 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 was the plaintiff arguing for that brought this case about? Um, and, so, and, and what was the argument against it? What is, what is their argument? I mean, other than we don't want abortion and we want abortion. For the Texas case? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on the board of the clinic that is suing to mm-hmm. stay open, Whole Women's Health Alliance. So they are the plaintiff. So they're the ones who are suing to um, strike down this law. And, you know, they are saying this law is a, it's a violation of Roe v. Wade because Roe v. Wade gives you the con constitutional right to an abortion up to 24 weeks. So to ban abortion at six weeks is a blatant constitutional violation. And everyone is still unclear as to how the Supreme Court is allowing this to stand and how the courts allowed it to stand. Um, The bounty hunting law is completely unconstitutional because in order to have a lawsuit you have to have um, an aggrieved party. Mm-hmm. And so the state of Texas was literally arguing and the Supreme Court apparently bought it that someone against abortion, if they hear that someone is helping somebody access abortion the person who hears about it is as affected by that abortion as the person having the abortion themselves. It's like secondhand smoke. It's like secondhand smoke. No, no. But it's like, it's like secondhand smoke. If, if you were sitting in your apartment right now in Manhattan and somebody was smoking in Portland, Oregon, (laughs) and you said that was affecting you. Right. You know? And so um, it's insane because the clinics can't perform care because they have looming lawsuits over their heads the whole time. The staff is so stressed out because they don't know how long they're going to have their jobs. 
on top of going to work every day where they're threatened with violence from protesters outside. They're followed home every Every day. day. Every day. I want everyone to understand that if you provide abortion in America, you can't drive home the same way twice in a week because you're followed. You know, you are, um, your neighborhood is flyered with leaflets that say, you know, Dr. Jane Doe lives at 123 Elm Street and is murdering babies every day. Your clinic is threatened with violence. There's just a clinic in Knoxville, Tennessee, that on the on last January had the doors shot in. And on New Year's Eve of the same year this year was burnt to the ground by arsonists. Um, it's, it's the escalation of clinic violence is really raised and is just... People are terrified to provide care, and it's just, we're in a really bad spot. Yeah, well, that, I mean, I'm sure that that must be horrifying for abortion patients to yeah. have to go through, go through. I mean, you're already like, oh, I didn't need this child, I didn't want this child, it was an accident, or I was raped, or whatever, and now I've got to go through these vigilantes to see a doctor. So, I mean, that must be... Yeah, I mean, and think about, too, if you live in a southern state, and let's say you are... Somebody who was brought up with faith, let's say you're somebody who is making a decision and you feel have conflicted feelings about it and you're walking through this gauntlet and people are screaming, you're going to hell, Jesus hates you. Like, can you imagine what that feels like? You're young and confused and already are having feelings. I mean, the whole thing is just so cruel and and. Oftentimes, it honestly, it feels like the cruelty is the point. They don't care about babies. If they did, they'd be passing, you know, they'd be funding Head Start and they wouldn't be trying to cut Medicaid and they would be making sure that a minimum wage happened and they wouldn't let black and brown kids grow up in in neighborhoods where, you know, it's environmentally toxic and that there was, wasn't good schools. You know, everything that they do to say that they care about babies is to destroy creating an atmosphere where everybody can thrive. And so that's how you know they're fucking hypocrites. I agree with everything you've said, but do you think that the religiously motivated ones actually believe that they are staking out doctors, killing abortion providers because they are on the right side. I mean, I, I would imagine that they do. I mean, I don't have, I'm not, this is why I'm yes, not a religious person. Yes, 100%. Because yeah, I mean. A lot so. of them when, you know, and, and we do a lot of research and deep diving into, like I have gone undercover to their churches. I have, and co- with COVID, it's been very, it's been really easy to um, like, just attend their services, you know, easier than in, in, in the olden times when you had to like go in and they're literally talking about, um, Christian families need to take up arms to defend a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Like that's where it's leading because of liberals and queers and feminists and we're all just wrecking their world. But also they firmly believe that, um, 
you know, and they're getting laws. There's 15 laws proposed right now that declare abortion homicide and that with penalties, the death penalty for those who have had an abortion or if you were a doctor that provided them. And so they believe that um, taking a taking a doctor's life or blowing up a clinic is justifiable homicide in the eyes of God. They have there's a whole doctrine of a large swath of the Christian movement called, and it's like a fancy thing, and they call it the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And what that means in layman's terms is that you are not bound by the laws of man if they defy the laws of God. And so when they're preaching this from the pulpit, that's mm-hmm. saying, we believe abortion's murder. And so if you see someone abortion murder, you're justified in taking their life. Mm-hmm. And this is what is being preached with prevalence yeah. um, throughout. Where and, and I think too often we have sort of dismissed it as crackpots or don't give them any attention because it's just, you know, amplifying their message. And I'm this, I feel like, no, for years we've ignored them and taken that advice. And then we don't know what the fight is because Mm -hmm. we don't understand the power and the prevalence that these, and the influence that these people have in the communities we're not in. But you well, go to a right. mega church. That's right. With the mega 10, church. 15,000 people. Yeah. In, 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 between the, in between the sermons where they teach you how to make money, um, forgetting yeah. that, that money is the, the, the root of, of all evil. But uh, so the, the, the next step is to wait for June. I mean, what, what so June think, is when the Supreme Court will, will take it up? Yep. What, I mean, I think, yeah, the next step is to mobilize so that um, when the decision comes down in June, as we go into the midterm elections, you know, what we need to think about is how are we going to um, stand with, how are we going to get people care that need care? So Mm -hmm. what does that look like if they strike it down and these clinics close? How are we, how are we going to um, help these clinics stay open that can? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are we going to um, make sure that we raise awareness about the people who are passing these laws in these states so that folks who haven't been active, especially in midterm elections, especially in local state and local le- elections, because that's where all these laws get passed, um, and get rid of these people, um, you know, we have elections coming up where we can get some new senators on a federal level in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and also intermingling with the with the voting rights activists, because truth be told, uh, we have to make sure that our elections are fair and that um, we're we're having people get elected to secretary of state who certify the elections that are good people that aren't going to be bolt, mowed over. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, we aren't just gerrymandering our states so that we never have um, equal representation of our views. If 75% of Americans believe that Roe v. Wade should remain the law of the land and you're chopping up districts so that representation isn't happening at all, Mm -hmm. um, 
that's something that we need to think about, you know? Well, because right I think now. Yeah, well, I, I think we need to, to think about why so many majority positions are never acted upon. That is from guns. Know, uh, I, I, well, I think, I think uh, even the N- NRA members, a majority of them want the assault rifles banned. Yes. But we can't get the, and, and, you know, action on climate change, Medicare for all has it a majority yep. support, yep. you know, and we can't get it through. So obviously this is something that it's a culture war issue and you know to 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 people who may be you know mainly drag race fans i just want to explain the difference not talking down to to anyone but they like people see they like people in wigs and those carrying on and telling jokes so there's a, there's actual policies that would you know help people medicare for all legalizing abortion etc and then there's stuff well the abortions not is a culture war thing because the republicans use it so well and of course you know i saw a video with even you know trump got the evangelical vote that's one big way that he won i remember a video of him being prayed into office with like hands you know like praising him rabbi christian priest oh i know that you know, video is so creepy I mean, I, yeah, but but another thing that really you know, and I mean, I'm not just an atheist. I just I want that. It gives me the creeps to hear you say things like, you know, that God is the ultimate, you know, uh, law of the land. Because George W. Bush um, actually had this religious freedom thing through was it the Secretary of State or Attorney General Ashcroft, John oh, Ashcroft. Yeah. So this was a really scary thing. Um, If you had a religious objection to anything on your job or, you know, you could could refuse to do certain things, which could include, I mean, anything. I could, you know, get women getting abortion, uh, gay people getting uh, HIV meds if you don't approve of their lifestyle. Uh, if you are uh, working in a pharmacy and you are a Scientologist, then you do not want, uh, you know, uh, antidepressant medicine to be prescribed because your faith doesn't approve of it. This is a really sticky thing because as someone who thinks God is imaginary, when you've got an actual 2022 religious party that's trying to link laws that we all have to live by, by something that they happen to believe in that I can guarantee you ain't none of them never seen. You know, so it's it's like, this is a really scary um, thing. Uh, tell me about Lady Parts Justice. Changed it three years ago um, to be more inclusive. So we changed the name to Abortion Access Front. And uh, what we do is we are a group of comedians and filmmakers and activists and artists who all decided to get together and use our our comedy to expose these hypocrites and liars who are trying to end abortion and make videos and do travel around the country and do concerts to raise awareness. And then we uh, work directly with the clinics to do kind of a USO tour to like um, help them with what they need, uh, help grow their activist bases in these towns. And um, it's really, really fun. And we're actually um, doing a big virtual counter protest against the March for Life, which is the largest anti-abortion organization in the country. And they're literally marching on Washington this Friday 
with 150,000 unmasked, unvaccinated people because they're pro-life and setting their agenda (laughs) for how they're going to, what they're going to do when Roe v. Wade falls. And so we are doing live coverage of their event with really dope experts who are funny and smart and and working in the field. Um, and that, you sh- if you want to like learn more and find out just how insidious these people are and you want to laugh at them and mock and point fingers, um, yes. Yes. tune in to our live broadcast of their crazy ass March um, on 11.30 a.m. on Friday, January 21st at the Abortion Access Front YouTube channel. Um, we have a show every week called Feminist Buzzkills Live every Thursday where we are, we're basically like The View, but fun and more liberal and never have to say uh, we're on a nationwide search to replace Meghan McCain. And we feel really good about that. <laughs> so, uh, because you love her so much. Oh, because you, she's you, such you don't a think, dear, You don't dear think she could ever be replaced. <laughs> oh, poor Megan McCain. <laughs> you don't want her memory to be tainted. Um, no, Monet's I th- want Megan <laughs> McCain's memory to just live on. <laughs> well, my co-host, Monet, is a good friend of Monet. I'm kidding. She did something with her once and got a lot of flack for it. That's so why I like to tease her. Um, so you had mentioned in a video that um, it, if there is another march for abortion rights, you want to see tangible steps that people take away from it. Now, that's right. What, what can you give us an example of these or, or, or a, a list of these tangible? Uh, look, I, I know there's the, the Women's Health Protection Act, which passed the House. Passed the House, sitting there in the Senate, of course, can't pass because filibuster. You know, tangible steps are things like how are we... Um, how are we getting together with, uh, how do you know the clinic in your, in your community? Do you know the activist groups in your community, um, who are working towards, um, keeping the clinic open? Um, would you want to be an, you know, creating, you know, would you want to be part of an escort program that helps escort uh, patients to the clinics, right? Are you, could you, could we help people create, um, pods with their friends or be part of coalitions in their cities where they help identify the anti-abortion, anti-LGBTQ, um, you know, people who are in their local offices now and, and get good candidates to replace them, support them, um, you know, talk about abortion with your friends and family um, try to normalize it. Let's like change the way in the narrative we talk about things. There's a whole host of things to do. And so one of the things that we want to do is be able to create plans to um, create a roadmap for folks who are not political or want to help but don't know the first place to start. Um, be able to give them a toolkit that gets them involved and gets them doing things that they can like sustain and do um, working towards the uh, midterm elections and beyond. And they can always donate. They can always donate. Who would they donate to? Donate donate to to abortion access front where aafront.org. You can donate there. And we also have a list of resources on our website. If you go to aafront.org slash resources, you can see all kinds of ways that you can um, take action right now. 
um, one of the things, sign up to volunteer with us and we'll be able to help you steer where, where people, it's always fluid as to where the help is most needed. So we mm-hmm. can always guide you in those directions. Um, and then you can sign up with us and we have marching orders aplenty to help you okay. do activism work. And one of the examples that you gave in a video or one of your co-hosts gave was that, you know, and just to break it down for people in terms of, you know, so someone may not have car fare to get an abortion. You right. know, um, just because you have it doesn't mean that other people have it. You know, That's just right. because it would be easy for you to go to a, another state um, and, and t- spend three, four, five days in a hotel waiting doesn't mean that everybody does. And, That's right. And, and, and you, 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 I mean, it must be sheer terror to especially be a young woman and be in this uh, predicament. And, you know, as you mentioned, whatever their faith was or whatever, there may be some shame or or desire for privacy to where they themselves at that moment, they don't want to go out and join an abortion rights crusade because they're traumatized. So, I mean, mean, and it would be a 24-7 uh, at least 15 year long traumatization if they give birth to a child that they do not want. That's so right. um, that would be traumatizing for uh, perhaps both. I want to ask you about some other stuff too, because you, you co-created the daily show. And I, now i read something that said that you and Meredith were the co-create Meredith. I didn't write down the last Madeline name. Madeline Smithford. Madeline Smith, okay, I knew it was an M with three, that you were kind of erased from the show's history and, and were not given proper credit. Is that something that, that is true that you like to discuss? If not, we can cut this out. Um, I think it's fine. I mean, I think, like, I just think that it's always astounding and massively frustrating that women are never given the credit they deserve on big projects. I mean, it's like, I can't tell you how many people when they hear that I've created the daily show, we're like, really? Wow. I thought John Stewart created the daily show. It's like, no, he came on board later, you know? And it's like, and I always say like, if you don't know that if you, if, if it, if you, if, it, if you've never heard that, Two women created something. I'll just say The Daily Show because that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Ask yourself why that is. Why mm-hmm. is it that you don't know that? The, you know, why is it that the people who have benefited from your creation aren't thanking you, singing your praises, saying it in public? And so when you know who the creators of a show are um, and you hear that, um, it's because everyone around them in the structure um, felt it important to uplift their work and honor them. And if you didn't know that, it might say that those who had the power of the media to uplift their work chose not to. Mm. But didn't want to make waves, maybe. I don't know. Uh, You know, I don't even know if it's making waves to give credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's being honorable and nobody loses power by um, elevating everybody who helped make a thing sail and fly. And you created the concept and wrote for it as and well. And I was the head writer. 
Yeah. So I so Madeline and I built the infrastructure, and then I was the head writer. Okay. Yep. And then you went on to kill Connie Chung's career. Oh my God! With your I, writing, <laughs> I she is so much fun, and I was executive producer of this. They did a not funny. It, I mean, there was a little bit of funny stuff in it, but they she and Maury. Um, did a news show together on MSNBC on the weekends. Weekends Just with Maury and Connie. For those who don't know, they they were married. Connie Chung is a very famous, groundbreaking Asian American newscaster. Connie Chung. That's right, and was married the to talk Maury show Povich. Host, the talk show host. Yep, and um, and so Connie on the last episode did this hilarious tribute to Maury in this ball gown. That was hilarious. That went viral. She went on Jay Leno to talk about it. It was hilarious. And, 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 but, so that was, so it was her trying to be funny using your uh, words. I mean, I remember hearing about it at the time and thinking it was a hoot. It was a hoot. And people they were like, oh my video. God. They scrapped what? the video though. I can't find it. I You're can't kidding. find the video. Uh-uh. I, oh. I, I watched... I watched whole news segments like about Connie Chung and it didn't even mention them because uh, I wanted to say, I, I, got, I got a couple of the, the lyrics. At any rate, you have been so generous with your time. Um, I love talking with you and coming <laughs> on and being able to hang out. I know, in bed, in bed. In bed, just <laughs> hanging out in bed together, you know, I feel like. We should have been watching Succession or something, but instead we were doing a podcast. So it feels, but that's also fun. Well, I, we, 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 you know, uh, there's a, 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 a performer named Wendy Ho who is, performs on the drag circuit, but who is female. And she posted something um, several months ago when this challenge first came down and said, all y'all gay men want to dress up as women and, you know, act like women, well, then you better pay attention to some of the shit that we need because we need this and we need your support. I said, you know what? You said a lot, honey. So, so we get, keep your voice strong. I know that you will. And tell everyone where to get at you and your organization on social media. Give it all you to can, us. You can, I'm going to give you it all. You can <laughs> find me on all the social medias, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, blah, 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 at Liz Winstead, and I spell my name with two Zs. Um, you can follow my organization, keep up to date with things, hear our calls to action, join us in really fun actions. Like We're sort of the act up of the abortion movement, so if you want to do shit in the street that is like causing a ruckus and having fun and making change, um, we're your home. Um, so that is on all the social medias. It's at abortion front and our website is, um, aafront.org. And then check us out on YouTube. Every Thursday, we drop new episodes at 4 PM of feminist buzzkills live, which is our talk show. And, uh, do that, go there, have fun, um, and be part of it. Yes, and 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 stay in tune with this, and do follow Liz, and uh, you know, all right, Liz Winstead. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, Love this was you. a treat. This was thank a treat. You. Love Let's you too, do it again. Uh, we will, but I mean, I know there'll be developments in June, if not before. Oh, oh and, if, and if you if you ever need for me to perform at one of those USO shows, I even have abortion jokes. Check this out. Abortion. 
It really brings out the child in you. <laughs> I you made Liz Winston laugh twice. You are killing me. <laughs> okay, honey. Well, you take care and thank you for joining the Ebony and I- Irony podcast. Thanks, without, with, without the Ebony tonight. Without the Ebony tonight. <laughs> All right. And there you have it, y'all. You see, Ebony and Irony, we bring the funny, we bring the serious, we bring everything to the listeners. Y'all are fucking welcome, bitch. <laughs> Don't you get cocky with our supporters just because yeah, you're about to headline a comedy set in Aspen. I saw Fortune Aspen. Feimster there. Have you seen her perform? The yeah, Aspen I love comic? Fortune Feimster. She's so funny. She's great. Love her. She is totally funny. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, so, yeah, this is this, that's it for this week's episode of Ebony and Irony. Of course, we'll be back next week with some more um, um, Monet and Lady Bunny content. And I, I want to encourage y'all to, you can also review us on Spotify now. Spotify, you can rate us and review us there, along with keep on doing it on Apple Podcasts. We love reading your reviews on there. They're always tickle me pink. And, um, yeah, Bunny, I guess I'll see you next week. It's going to be so long until I see you. I know. Do you know who our special guest is? No. I don't either. So we better work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll work on that. Because I know Liz knocked their socks off today. Yeah, we'll get somebody good. Um, y'all be healthy, be safe, get boosted, stay vaccinated, and live your best life. Amen? Yes. Podcast Network.